0: Six, six, six,
1: six. Classic Wolf Podcast. CWP Classic War Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Classic War Podcast. I have a very special episode and a very special guest yes the one and only steve Islas, aka the navajo warrior hey how's it going steve
0: good how are you doing
1: good man how are you today
0: i am uh, blessed wonderful and ready to take on the day <laughs>
1: all right man uh can you tell my listeners uh Uh, Who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, my name is Steve Eastlice, otherwise known as the Navajo Warrior, uh, professional wrestler, strongman competitor, father, husband, uh, licensing manager for WWE games, and just
1: all-around badass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I'm very blessed for you to come on my show, man. And when you said yes, man, I was stoked, man.
0: Well, I'm I'm happy to be on. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I tried to fix up my hair like you in the '90s with the uh, the Dakota, the Shawn Dakota when you fought. Uh, oh, you Lo got Koso. the going. Yeah, I got the mullet going right now. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, like, um, yeah. How was it for your journey to be become a wrestler?
0: Well, it, it started as a kid, you know, as a, a fan of, of wrestling. And I would watch it on television. And then one day, uh, the AWA was coming into Phoenix, and my mom took myself, my younger brother, and my grandfather to the, to the uh, Coliseum to watch the show. And that's where I really made the decision that that's what I wanted to do. When the moment I saw Hulk Hogan bust mm-hmm. through the curtain, I, the Tiger, was playing, the crowd was going insane. Yeah. And just his presence and the, and the way he, Uh, just commanded your attention Mm -hmm. that's when I looked at my mom and said that's what I want to do you know and I was I think 11 12 years old and uh, made that decision then
1: damn man I mean you're a lot of you're just an inspiration to us all man native people in general man of watching you because I remember as a kid um, you were fighting I remember this um, you were fighting um, uh, Crispin Wall and when I what? saw you, yeah, when I saw you, dude, like I was like, "Who is this guy? Like, is he another Tatanka?" And <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, you made a comeback!" But you didn't go by that name of uh, I thought I thought you were Tatanka, but your name was um who was it the Navajo Warrior, right, or was it Steve Gray Eyes? Yeah.
0: yeah, about both. Uh, so when I wrestled, uh, some of the times I would wrestle with Sean Dakota. And mm-hmm. then uh, other times they would let me use the Navajo Warrior, and then, uh, and then a couple times as Steve Gray Eyes, yeah. and so it was. Uh, it's just one of those things where it really depended on on the licensing of the name, knowing of you know that we could use. Mm-hmm. So that's why I had to change up a few times.
1: Oh man, like with you, man. Like like I like I said when I was a kid of watching you, you're like. It was a inspir you inspired me, you know, cause watching like other native wrestlers like Datanka and Chief Strombo and then you, I was like, man, dude, like, uh-huh. uh, like, um, like I wanted to become a wrestler when I was a kid. I mean, every kid wanted to become a wrestler and, Watching you, you know, fighting the greats, fighting Yokozuna for one, fighting Hacksaw Jim Duggan with uh, Eugene, man, when I was watching those videos, I was like, oh my God, like this guy has done it all to fight these guys and to, you know, being professional in the ring with these guys. I mean, I wanted to know, like, how the stories in the background, like in the locker room? How was that?
0: Oh, that was it was amazing because, you know, like I said before, I grew up a fan and I loved professional wrestling and mm-hmm. so when i finally was able to train and start wrestling yeah you know hacksaw jim duggan and greg the hammer valentine the hockey Tom, i mean you just, the list goes on and on it was like you know at first i felt like you know a kid you know it was like, oh my gosh these are the guys that i used to watch on tv and now i'm wrestling against them and, and in the same locker room as them and you know it's it was just surreal at first and then you start to get more comfortable and you start to realize, you know what? I belong here. This is where I belong. And, and they treat you that way. Like, you, yeah, you're one of us. We're, you know, we're all together in this in this crazy world of wrestling. So it was, it was just really cool because going from learning how to wrestle and, and doing you know, small shows on the reservation where we go to, you know, like Pinyon or we go to Greasewood or or uh, many farms, different places, uh, Chin League, you know, and, and wrestle in front of sometimes 50 people, sometimes 200 people, sometimes a little more, you know, it just depended. But going from that to, you know, sold-out arenas was just mm-hmm. it was crazy, the, the the way that it just
1: jumped, you know. mm mm-hmm. Like when did you? Um, I know it was a I, I W Z or I I. Um, was it the uh, when you uh, developed the tribe? When was that? Can you hear me?
0: So uh, in two, yeah, in two thousand, mm-hmm. I started. Uh, teaming with. Uh, the Ghost Walker, who later became uh, GQ Galiba. We started teaming up, but we were known as Native Blood. Mm. And we teamed up for about two years uh, and, and traveled uh, quite a bit as a tag team. And, and, and then after the team split up, uh, one of the companies in Japan wanted to bring us back. And so they reached out to me and I, and I told them, well, we're not a team anymore. He's like, well, do you have another partner? And that's when the tribe was formed. And it was myself and, and Hawaii Lion. So mm. we kind of brought together the Polynesian tribe and the, you know, native tribes. And that's why we just called the tribe, you know, as as one big tribe. So that's what, that's how that started. Mm. And then we teamed for near 20 years and, you know, wrestled all over the world as a tag team. Yeah, man. Like,
1: when I saw your your bio too you've been all over the world man you've been to Spain and Germany and France wrestled
0: yep yeah so like that to me wrestling you know let me see the world Mm -hmm. it's something that you know you you never really think you're going to get to go to all these different places or see these different sites in in your lifetime and then uh, I was just lucky enough to have a career in something that would take me around the world and, and let me be performing in front of people in different countries and, and you know just representing the native people and also just representing pro wrestling mm-hmm. and
1: also so you've been doing this for being a wrestler you've been doing this for the last like was it 30 years was in 2020 yeah. and then now it's like 2022 so it's like 32 years yeah. right
0: yes sir 32 years and i'm I'm still going at it you know as long as the body's holding up and people still want to watch me wrestle i'm gonna keep doing
1: it yeah man like uh i tried to watch your the i tried to go one to one of your shows um back when uh hawaiian lion um that was his last fight and i bought a ticket mm-hmm. but i got called in to go to work so i was like i didn't make oh. it I was like, oh, man, but I've watched the highlights on YouTube on what happened and everything. I was like, man, I, would, I had a ticket front row to watch you. And I was like, man, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I was, oh I'm uh, sorry you missed it. I know, man, I was devastated. I was like, man, I want to see that. Because I, I heard about you, like I said, when I was a kid. But I didn't know that you changed your name to the Navajo Warrior. And so when I was on my Facebook feed and I happened to see that flyer, I'm just like, who is this guy? And I started to um, do my research about you. And that's when I knew that, um, that you wrestled under that name of the, of um, was it the uh, gray eyes. And I was like, Oh, this is uh-huh. a guy. This is the guy from like, from back when I was a childhood and watching him and like, he's going to be fighting. So I decided to get a ticket <laughs> to go see you, man. And i and uh, I just didn't never happen, but hopefully in the future, I can go see you and watch you and everything.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. You know I mean? Always, always love when, when people come out to the shows and enjoy themselves. So yeah, definitely got to make it out to one.
1: Mm -hmm. So as a um, professional wrestler, did you have like any like a back room, or locker room beef with anybody or was everybody every was uh, pretty much cool.
0: Oh, no, it's, all business, you know, There, there, you know, of course, like in any, any walk of life, there are going to be people that you're not going to get along with, but for the most part, everyone's professional and when it's time to work, it's time to work and they keep their drama out of the locker room, you know? So if somebody's got a, an issue with someone else, they they just keep it out of the locker room when it's time to work. But, uh, you know, everyone that I've been in the ring with and everyone that I've been in the locker room with has been great.
1: Have you ever got, uh, pranked? you know, in the locker room? Because I know they... they... (laughs) ribs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, plenty of
0: times. (laughs) Plenty of times. When I first started, my my first matches with WWE Mm -hmm. were in the 90s, early 90s. So some of the most notorious pranksters, you know, the the most notorious ribbers were still in the company, like Mr. Perfect and uh, Mr. Fuji. And Mr. Fuji, he, I was warned about him. I was, you know, like... Don't fall asleep on the plane, don't fall asleep on the bus. don't mm-hmm. fall, you know don't you know't don't, don't fall asleep anywhere around you because something will happen. So I was nervous 24/7 around Mr. Fuji and it was one of those things where you know his, his joke on me was that he didn't play a joke on me because he knew how nervous I was so he thought just me being on pins and needles the whole time, was enough of a joke on me, you know, because he was like, Oh no, you're already torturing yourself by thinking that I'm going to do something. You know. So, um, but I've had other, other actual things happen, you know, where it's like your, your boot, one of your boots gets hidden. So you're trying to find your boot before you got to get dressed for your match and you can't find it somewhere. And then, (laughs) then finally you find it and it's like, you know, taped up to the ceiling or (laughs) things like that. Nothing, you know, nothing bad, uh, where you know it's nothing harmful it's all just good fun
1: yeah did you ever prank any of the uh uh, people in the back room
0: no i was always too afraid to because i knew that i'd get it back Mm. (laughs) i didn't (laughs) want to i i'm one of those people that if i did something it would show you know on my face that i did it so then i Mm -hmm. would i know that they'd get me back so i was like ah, it's just better not do it
1: yeah with that, did you did you ever like party with any of them or like have any like stories like that of drinking and everything like that? Because I know like that was a big thing back in the nineties.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, but that, that's yeah, that's something I'd rather not talk about. But yeah, okay. there was a lot of a lot of that going on. But uh, a funny story that happened that another another prank that was put on pulled on me was by Paul Bear. Mm. So and this, was, this was in the, uh, you know, like later on when I was doing the work for the video game and I needed to get The Undertaker to do a voiceover recording. Yeah. And so I would see The Undertaker and I would let him know. Like, we'd say hello and I'd tell him, hey, I, I've got the truck set up. I want to get some recordings done. And he would just be like, oh, okay, yeah, good luck with that. And then walk away. So finally Paul Bearer reached out to me and he said, you know the best way to get in good with Undertaker is like just give him some, go catering when he's there, and give him some cucumbers. I was like, why? What do you? you know, I, I was suspicious. You know, he's like, no, trust me, trust me. And I was like, I don't trust you. You know, so yeah. finally I, I got up the nerve to do it, and Undertaker was sitting and catering eating, and I walked over to the salad part and I grabbed some cut up cucumbers and I put them on a plate, and I walked over to him said hello I have a gift for you and I put the plate down in front of him he looked at the plate looked straight up at me and then started to stand up like he was going to kill me you know so I start backing up right away I'm like it wasn't my idea it wasn't my idea I just walked out of catering he's like yeah you better go so (laughs) so I just walked straight out I walked straight out and started to go hide and not even it felt like not even 10 seconds later but I would say about a minute later my phone starts ringing Mm. and I answer it and all I hear is is Paul Bearer's voice laughing at me. And I'm like, what did you have me do? <laughs> and he's just laughing. I'm like, "I'm like Undertaker wants to kill me. He's like, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. And and I'm like, no, he does. You already know about it. You're already laughing. He's like, no, you're good. Trust me, you're good now. And so the next day, this is what we used to do Raw and SmackDown back-to-back. We'd do Raw one day and then SmackDown the next day. And so the next day I see the undertaker, he's like, Hey, so we're going to get these recordings done or what? You know, i like, really? Yeah. Okay. You know, and it, it was one of those things where it was an icebreaker and come to find out that the undertaker really hates cucumbers. And it was one of those things that were, it was just like childhood trauma of his that uh, made him sick to where he just couldn't even stand the sight of them. Oh, and man. so Paul Bearer was telling me that he used to play jokes on him all the time where they would, you know, put cucumbers in his hat band or they would put him in his gloves. What he used to wear the gloves and, you know, things like that. Where he, he, they would just constantly do stuff to him. So it was a, it was a, a joke on me, but it was also something to help break the ice with undertaker to, you know, open the door a little bit more with them and, and be able to, to now when we see each other. It's, you know, straight conversation. Like every, you know, so it's one of those things where I'm thankful for that joke because yeah. it, it opened that door.
1: Mm. I mean, how long have you been doing like with uh WWE, like the gaming?
0: Uh With the gaming, I started doing that in 2008. Mm. So my first game, the first game that licensed that I worked on was SmackDown versus Raw 09. Mm. And so that was, that was the first one that I worked on. And then I've worked on every WWE game since then and uh, I started off doing the motion capture where you wear the suits and do the moves and then uh, moved into being a consultant and then moved into being licensing manager. So now I basically handle everything that has to do with the talent. So if we need to get, get photos taken. If we need to do scans, yeah. voiceover recordings uh, or promotional work where we, you know, autograph signings, all that stuff that has to do with, with, the, the game and the talent i i handle so
1: oh man yeah. oh man I didn't know that you did that like go into that deep you know handling all the talent and everything i didn't know that yeah I yeah was... so
0: if you if you play the game if you do like the like the new game stuff and you go into the creations you know my, my face paint designs in the game my uh my likenesses in the game uh, on a couple of them but as uh I can't remember i think it was 2k15 um we couldn't we couldn't get mike tyson linked to the game because he was doing the ufc game that year but our storyline was you play through stone cold steve austin's career Mm. so when it came to that match where where mike tyson is the special referee yeah uh it's me it's my likeness so basically i'm mike tyson but you know they don't call him Mike Tyson because we couldn't license Mike Tyson that yeah. year. So, so yeah, I got scanned and and so I'm the one in the in the game there.
1: Oh, dude, I didn't know that. Man, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so it's a little it's a little Easter egg. It's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, but do you? Know, I never like I played the games when I was a kid. I still kind of play the games now, but I remember like watching. um you with um was it a recent match? Uh, oh, I think it was like way back though. Um, with you and Scott Steiner.
0: Was oh yeah, yeah. So that was that was just a couple of years ago. Um, oh. yeah, we were roughly I think we were in. I can't remember what city we were in, but yeah. So got in there with Scott Steiner, and we joked around that it was his revenge on me for the segment on Raw that we did, where it was the the bodybuilding code down between. Triple H and, and Scott Steiner. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that or not. Where yeah. They did that on Raw where they had the, the pose down. And I was one of the judges, one of the, that, that voted for Triple H. And then we all tried to beat down Scott Steiner and then he, you know, he threw us all around the ring. And then
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. I remember so, that. So
0: now we had, so now we had the rematch all these years later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Damn dude, man. Like how was it like in the back when you were working? I think you were like a, um, well, you're like, like a security guard, huh? Like-
0: oh, I'm, yeah. I've done, I've done like everything you can imagine. Like with WWE, we're like where are you, you know, on camera security guard, uh, wrestler on camera EMT. You know, like all, like all the kinds of stuff. And it's it's always been really cool. It's always been uh, fun to do like a different a different role.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Did you ever meet uh, Vince McMahon?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we uh I recorded Vince Graham doing the, the voiceover work, so for that we would go to Stanford Connecticut to the T V office there and, and you because they have everything. They have a recording studio, they have everything we need. Mm-hmm. And he was great to work with. Uh, one of those he's a perfectionist. Like he I always wanted to make sure he would do it a take and was that good? Was that is that what you wanted? Exactly what you wanted? You know, I can do it again, you know, and it was always like that. Yeah. You know, he's like I don't want I don't want to do anything half-assed. You know, so so he would always just give us whatever we needed as far as like as many takes as we needed, um, you know, and just wanted it to be just right, you know. And then you know we we did his scams, um, and then of course I'd see him at Raw and SmackDown. He was, he was always there, and you know he'd always say hello and mm. go about his business and do his you know do his job. while well, we would do our jobs, you know, so.
1: And you have a great like a bio and I was reading it um was it a couple of days ago. You know, I just wanted to figure more about you and, you know, to understand like uh where you come from and everything, because like, I know you're from uh you're from here in Arizona and I just yeah. wanted to uh thank you for, you know, scoping the childhood, man. Like, I'm actually talking to you and everything. And, and it's a great feeling because, uh, I never thought that I would, uh, you know, talk to a professional wrestler in my lifetime. You know, I will watch you. I will watch wrestlers. I will watch wrestling, you know, just to understand, you know, the, the background stories of, you know, my childhood heroes, you know, just to, just to, uh, uh-huh. get some closure and everything. And with that, dude, like you're like one of the one of the greats, man. You've been doing this wrestling for the next for the last thirty two years, man, and going on to uh, competitions, um, the straw competitions. How was that like? How did you get into that?
0: Uh, that that's a crazy story how I got into that. So, you know, when when COVID hit, mm-hmm. uh, all the all the gyms started shutting down. You know, I, I was training with my my workout partner, we would train at, at one gym yeah. and then it would get closed. It, they closed it because of COVID. So then, Oh, well there's another gym that's still staying open. So we jumped over there. We've got a membership there and we got to train there for a little, a couple more weeks and then they closed out. And then basically all of them closed down. And so my, my training partner, he said, well, I have a friend who's got a home gym. He's got everything. So he said, we can train there, you know? So, We started working out at this guy's place and I noticed he had, you know, Atlas stones and log presses, all the, all the different strongman equipment. He had all this stuff. I was like, man, what does he do? He was like, oh, he's a professional strongman. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, so one of the days that we were training, uh, his name's Marshall Zinn. Marshall popped in and was like, hey guys, we're going to pull a truck on Saturday. You guys want to join us? I was like, that sounds really cool. So went home, told my wife, you know, hey, Saturday we're gonna to try to pull a truck, and so it's like, oh, okay, you know. So we we went there on that Saturday and and pulled the truck, and then I was like, this is really cool, mm-hmm. and then that's when when Marshall told me like, hey, well, we do strongman training every Saturday, you guys are more than welcome to come, you know, and and so I started doing that just for fun, and then we went and watched Marshall compete and got to see some, you know, really good strong men. And then I was like, wow, that's, it's impressive to watch. And on the way home, my wife looked over at me and she, she wanted to ask, you know, she's like, did you ever, you know, you ever think you want to. And then before she could finish, I was like, no, no. He's like, oh, come on. Why? I'm like, because look at that stuff they're doing. It's, you know, it it looks really hard. Yeah. And finally, I just kind of got convinced to enter a competition, a local one here in Arizona. And I did well. I I took second place in it, and then I kind of got hooked. You know, I'm like, all right, let's do this. If I'm going to do this, I've always been one of those people that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to take it as far as I can take it. You know, like with wrestling, I wasn't satisfied with just being a wrestler. I wanted to be, like I had a goal, I wanted to be in the WWE, I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to wrestle in Japan. I, you know, so I had these goals. I always had goals. And so same thing with Strongman. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I want to make it to a national level. And then I want to make it to, you know, so then I, I did that. I competed in the nationals and made top 10 in the nation last year 2021. And in 22, so then I was like, okay, well now I up the goal. You know, like okay, I want to make top three. And 22, I made I placed second in the nationals, and I'm like, okay, now I want to compete in the worlds. And now I qualified for the worlds, and I've got that coming up. So, it's one of those things where I I just if I'm doing it, I'm doing it all the way. I'm not gonna, not gonna like just you know, Mm -hmm. it's not a hobby. I don't, you know, you know what I mean. I don't do something as a hobby. I do it as like, all right, let's go, let's let's make it happen.
1: So, I know what like, um, like, bodybuilders, man. Like, do you ever feel that anxiety when you're about to go on?
0: Oh yeah, I I, I feel it with wrestling to this day, thirty two years later. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 nerves start to kick in, and the, you start to get you know the butterflies, and my hands start sweating, and. Right when the music starts to play i'm like oh my god i gotta go to the bathroom
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but i always i always tell the young guys i'm like you know if that feeling goes away then you need to just stop wrestling you know because it just shows that you don't you know if it doesn't excite you that much then you just need to stop and so that's why i'm glad i still feel that way because it's like it shows that i still care i still love it i still get those nerves And then Mm -hmm. same thing when I compete now too, when I, when I compete in strongman, you know, the day before the show, when I've got to do my way in, I'm like a nervous wreck, you know? And then I try to calm myself down. And then the the morning of the event, I try to stay calm. But then when it's time to start warming up for, for the first lift, you know, then that's when the nerves start kicking in. So it's like, all right, I just got to learn how to control them a little differently because with wrestling, uh, you're doing it for so long. I know what I'm doing as far as like, all right, I know what to do. I know what I got to do. I got this with strong, man. I'm still like new at it. You know, I'm only in my second year of it. So i like, still got to learn how to control those nerves enough to where it, it doesn't mess me up in my match. You know, I mean, in my competition. Yeah.
1: Like, how do you deal with that? Like, and like with the anxiety and stuff like that when you go on,
0: a lot of deep breaths, a lot of a lot of just trying to like find my center and just you know focus on what's in front of me and instead of you know like when we did the uh, this last competition that I did for the nationals, uh, we were in a like a small arena yeah. and every event that we were doing, we were facing the, the the crowd, so the crowd was watching us and to me like I just all right, just like with wrestling, they become a blur, you know, and you don't or you find one person to focus on and you just center your mind on that person, that one person. Yeah. And, uh, so I started doing that and then that helps because then I was like, all right, now I can, now it doesn't feel like there's so many people in there watching. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: I know, like I was watching this documentary about wrestling and about luchadors, because luchadors is like one of the things that I love watching. You know, the acrobatics and everything. You know, they how it how they start. You know, they have to do like a ritual to get them out of that, get them into that mindset. It's like with Randy Orton mm-hmm. when he has to like be by himself and to just scream and let it out before he can go on. You know, other wrestlers have their own routines that to make them, you know, feel. Um, not anxiety, but, you know, just to feel amped up, you know, not to think about the yep. anxiety and just to just go on, you know, like with me, um, I always I used to, I, I still get, you know, anxiety. I mean, everybody does, you know, but I just sleep, I just do what you do of, um, breathing work of meditation and just uh-huh. that stuff helps me a lot, you know, with other people too that go through anxiety that, um that they feel that, you know, that they're, that, and back in their mind that they're not good enough. Or what, what? Like, what if I, what if I do this wrong? You know, what people hate mm-hmm. me, you know, just having that in back of their mind and that, that gut feeling that something's going to go wrong. I mean, I think that what you're doing is good of, you know, being in your mind and centering yourself because, you know, not a lot of people can do that, but, you know, with, um, Yeah. You know, with you, man, you're just you're straight doing it and to put yourself out there, you know, inspiring and inspiring those too that that want to be where you're at, like with the wrestling, you know, straight, mm-hmm. straight, especially with, um, you know, bodybuilding. I mean, I try I tried to uh, do it, but and I just I don't know, I was just like too much in my head at that time. But right now, you know, being as old as I am and, you know, um, you know, I, I know I told this on the pod, but, you know, this is when this pod, when this podcast airs or when I put it up, I'm going to be uh, three months sober. So.
0: Oh, congratulations.
1: Yeah, man. It's hard. It's been a hard road, man. I'm telling you.
0: Oh, I bet. I bet.
1: So. Yeah. (laughs) And um, that gets, that gets, how would you say uh it's it's been a long road you know i i still think Uh about that that drink and how it makes me feel but you know this year um i really had to dig deep within myself of putting myself out there and to come up and put my art out there and to talk to people because i know talking to new people it's uh, it's a lot of um it takes a lot of out of me and you know but i've grown to Love it, and I'm going to use that anxiety, you know, to um, feel and to talk about, you know, different topics that that other people are more get motivated and be inspired. So, with your like story, man, I think your story can help others too. That you know that want to do what you're doing. You know, how do you? And that question is like, how do you like? How what would you tell the young youth now? Like to um, bring them out of their nutshell. Uh,
0: You know what's funny with that is, like, I had to come out of it myself because you know, as a a kid, like, you know, shy and not really outgoing, Mm -hmm. and then trying to, you know, branch out and do. I mean, wrestling is is. I don't know how much more you can put yourself out there. You're in the middle of a ring, where everyone's eyes are on you. You know, and it's one of those things of where to me, I always let that person out of myself that, that's, that's I always hold in, you know, like when I'm in the ring, I'm, I'm the Navajo warrior. I'm not Steve. Steve's, you know, it's part of me, but that helps me, you know, because like, and I like tell my kids, you know, I have three daughters and, my youngest is a boxer. She's training the box. You know, she's working to, towards having her first fight. Yeah. Um, my my other two did some in-ring training for wrestling. And so they're still on that fence of like, okay, is this what I want to do? Do I want to continue? Do I want to like pursue the wrestling? Or do I want to pursue other other things? Like my oldest is, is like talented in makeup design. And she's talented with with hair and things like that so she's you know like okay photography as well so it's like where do i where do i go my middle daughter stevie she's uh also a dancer and she's a, a teacher she teaches first no kindergarten she's teaching kindergarten this year so you know it's one of those things that where i the wrestling part of it with teaching them the, the wrestling was always to help with confidence mm-hmm. you know it, it helps with the confidence It helps with being able to put yourself out there, you know, like being a school teacher, you've got, you're kind of like wrangling these kids that look up to you that want to learn, you know, that you're trying to teach and they're, they're going to learn. And then, so it, it's, it's also something that you got to be able to have that patience for. and, and um, it takes a special kind of person to be a teacher. you know. Yeah. So I would always tell them as they were kids growing up, I'm like, you can do Anything you put your, your mind to, you just got to put in the work that goes with it. Mm. You know, and that's what I had to do. It was nothing was ever handed to me. You know, when I wanted to be a wrestler, I had to figure out how am I going to do this? Back then, there was no Internet. Back then, there was, you know, that, that wasn't even invented. You know, yeah. <laughs> so we would I would I would wrestle in school. I wrestled through, you know, junior high school, high school, uh Was starting to wrestle in college, and then that's when I actually found someone that could train me. And then I dropped out of college and went, like, I'm going to do this and focus on pro wrestling. Um, If I didn't find a trainer, I don't know what I would have done. As far as like, if I would have been able to break in to the to the wrestling profession, yeah. Um, But I, you know, I did, and then it. That's where it got really hard because, you know we're talking early nineties and wrestling was very protected. So there weren't weren't wrestling schools. There weren't, you know, you had to know someone and then they had to teach you. And the way that we were taught, the way I was taught, I basically had to really wrestle Mm -hmm. my trainer and we would, and he would just beat me like, like beat on me. And, and to where I was, so beat up and sore, and I was like, man, all right, well, you got to come back the next day and do it again, you know, and and uh, it was a test, basically. You know, they would just beat you down and beat you down and beat you down and beat you down, and if you keep coming, then they're like, all right, now I'll teach you something, you know, and now, yeah. then, because then they know that you're serious about it. Mm-hmm. Too many people nowadays want an easy way to do something. They want an easy way in. They want the quick fix. They, want, they don't want to put the work in, and it shows in in a lot of a lot of different things, you know, and, uh, you know, so I, I'm very thankful for the way I was trained in wrestling, mm-hmm. where it was like you had to be tough. You really had to be tough to 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 last to get in and to last and to make it. Um, and then when you start having your matches, it doesn't make it any easier because you're wrestling some of these guys that have been around and they would be rough, you know, rough. Tough guys to wrestle,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we survive. Then it's like, all right, on to the next one, you know. So, uh, but you know, one of the things that my wife and I always tell our kids, and we got this off from one of those Rocky movies, was you know, the, you just take it, as, you know, one step at a time, one punch at a time, one round at a time. Yeah, and we apply we apply that to everything. You know, you always got to take that first step, mm-hmm. then that first punch, and then you make it through that first round. You know, so. Uh, and that, that helps, you know, as long as you got something to focus towards, it, it helps kind of break down those walls of anxiety. And it helps break down those those barriers that, that everyone kind of sets up for themselves, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I mean, anxiety is brought on by ourselves, you know, and it's, it's like the, that feeling of not being good enough at something, that's in our own head. You know, nobody's telling us, nobody's saying, oh, you're not good enough. We're telling ourselves that. Oh, oh, you know, nobody's telling you, oh, you're going to mess up. No, we tell ourselves that. That's what we, we put ourselves, we put all of that in our own heads, you know, mm-hmm. so we got to clear that out and tell ourselves and show ourselves, no, we are good enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm good enough to do this. I'm strong enough to do this. I'm You know, whatever it is, whatever it is somebody wants to do, you know, believing in yourself is that first step. You know, you believe that you're good enough to do it. And then you start to do it. And mm-hmm. then you really got to push and, and do the work. Yeah. You know, and, and every bump, you know, there's going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be, you know, a lot of people like to think that success is a straight line, start to finish, and it's not. It's full of curves and pitfalls and dead ends, and then you got to turn this other way. And, you know, they, they don't see that the path to success is isn't, isn't not a straight line. It's, it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. No, and it's just having the having the heart and having the the desire to keep pushing past it, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean like it's it's like, you know, you have to be persistent. Like every time yeah. you're doing it, man. It's like you're gonna have to everybody has their own journey, you know, it can't be everybody else's journey. I mean if everybody else had the same journey, everybody would be doing it. You know, with wrestling exactly. Then. And uh, with bodybuilding, man, it's, like, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, p- be persistent because you have, you know, distractions in your life. I mean, we're all human. We all have them. We all have anxiety. We all have depression. And it's yeah. up to us to get out of it, you know, just to, you know, take time with ourselves and reset ourselves and reset our mind to go on and to do what we want to do in life. You know, and that's success. Yeah. I mean, you, you for me, it doesn't matter for money or anything like that is up to us to you know for us to feel you know successful inside ourselves and that is true and with other people that surround us you know they might judge us from what we are but it's up to us to do what we said we want to do in life to set goals right. and to fulfill those goals like right now you know It was hard for me to get off alcohol because I lost my brother. And I think that's what the thing was for me, you know, just to start drinking, start drinking more. And, you know, I said to myself when I looked in the mirror when I was hungover, you know, I had to stop. I got to stop, you know, and my eyes were just like really bloodshot red. And I just had to just, you know, you know, just completely stop. And, you know, I have other people here that, you know, want me to you know, drink, but I had to say to myself that I want to do this. I want to, you know, be in a role model and an example that, you know, it can be hard, but, you know, I have that support, you know, I have that support for myself of, you know, I can do this, you know, to fulfill a goal. And, you know, what, for myself too, like my body, you know, it's like 13 years of depression and as I'm trying to like lose weight and everything, and to like, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be who I once was before. Because when I was, you know, I w- I used to box a long time ago, and I was really in good shape. And right now, you know, I'm just I'm not I, I'm not in that that shape like I was back then in high school. You know, I'm pretty big, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get out of it. i um, right now. I'm just I said to myself like you know, I have to do this. I have to, I have, there's this is I've suffered long enough for myself to build myself up and to stop drinking and to, you know, be who I always wanted to be, you know, as a healthy person and to build my creativity and to talk to, other, to, talk to others that had the same or have the same goals of, you know, to um, build themselves up, you know, just to uh, understand their story and to use it in my own life and to own lifestyle and for those that are listening you know you can do it you know you just have to put your mind to it and it is hard but you just have to do it if you really want it because it's there you just have to grab it and with Mr. Steve man it's it's really it's really an honor like I always say and for you to be on this show and I'm glad that you took the time you know to be on this show I mean, for you, do you have any, like, um, life lessons that can just cut the corner? Like, I know there's no um, shortcuts in life, but uh, can you explain, like, or tell a story about, you know, how you overcame your journey?
0: Uh, Yeah, a a lot of what I did was, you know, like like you even mentioned as well, though, like, not everyone's journey is the same. Everyone's going to have different, different detours, different blocks in front of them. You know, yeah. And it's how you deal with them. Some people, it might be uh, an injury. Some people, it might be family that 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 you know kind of steer you a certain way and tell you, oh, well, no, we need you to do this, or you know, you know, or some people, you know, you know, it it everything can be overcome though. And and so for me, it was always. Like seeing that end goal and knowing that I have to put the work in to get to it, Uh, you know, you make sacrifices. And some people are like, "Well, I work, work eight hours a day, and then you know I'm too tired to work out when I when I get home, or you know, whatever it is." You you know, there are 24 hours in the day. You could make time. Mm -hmm. It's just your choice whether or not you're going to do it or not. You know, I'm up in the gym, training at 5.30 every morning before I get my day started, you know? So that, and I make that time. So, you know, when I'm, that's the first thing I do. I wake up in the morning, I go and I work out and then I start my day, get, get the little one ready for school, take her to school, get to work, do my job, do, you know, and then then it's training in, in the evening for, for the boxing. And then I teach on, you know, two nights out of the week, I teach a hit class. Where, you know, I, I run people through an uh, an hour long workout, and mm-hmm. so it's everything's possible. There's nothing that is impossible. You know, you just got to find a way to get to it and push forward, and always, always believe in what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. um, excuses excuses and and things like that are always easy. You know, yeah, they're always easy to fall back on, and so. It's just knowing that, you know, putting the work in is also easy. You just got to make it easy, you know. Uh, And because I could complain about being up at 530 in the morning in the gym. Oh, I didn't sleep enough last night or this or that. No, I look at it as, hey, I got the chance to wake up. I get to go into this gym and work out. I get to do these things, you know. Yeah. So, So it's like, you know, just changing your mindset. Mm-hmm. and and having that mindset of looking at everything that happens to you in a day as a blessing because, you know, there's some people that, that don't wake up the next day, you know, mm-hmm. so you always got to look at each day as a blessing and each thing that happens to it, to you in that day as a blessing going to work. Hey, I have a job to go to, you know, mm-hmm. bills to pay. Hey, I have a roof over my head. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Having to spend money on groceries. So I was like, Hey, i get to eat you know and so it's like just just flipping that script and making instead of making it a negative you turn it into a positive and yeah. trust me it's going to make your day feel a lot better which then makes your week feel a lot better which then goes into the month which then goes into the year you know so you take take each bit as it comes and you you know you make it the best you can
1: yeah i mean there's a lot of um uh... A lot of people out there too that are really struggling with life and everything, but you know, you just have to get like what you said, you just have to get through it and everybody's journey is different. And that goes with a lot of things, man. You know, with the um, with you, you know, with you and um your journey with the with bodybuilding. I mean you just got started. You just got started with that and you know, I wish you every you know, good luck and everything like that. And I want you to be on the show again because Because it's, you know, it's a real honor for you to be on the show. And I know, um, you know, I'm going to have a studio pretty soon and, you know, we had to meet face to face and to talk. Oh yeah. I'd
0: love to. Yeah. Talk. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to be back on again and, you know, and then yeah, if it's in the studio, that's fine. If it's not on studio, that's fine. I'd just be happy to do it. Yeah. And I appreciate you, you know, having me on and getting to talk to you and, and be on the podcast and. It's, it's been fun for me, you know, and it's I, it's a way for me to get to, you know, reach out and, and talk to people that might not get a chance to meet with, you know. So it's been great. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> you're you're at a boxing gym in, Cas- uh, not Cassegrain, but uh, Coolidge, right?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. I just like nev- not too far from there. Like, um, I'll say like 15 minutes away
0: okay yeah that's where I'm at right now I'm'm at, I'm at Robles boxing and Tuesdays and Thursdays I teach from 6 to 645 and but you know I'm here right now with my my daughter's training and then uh, we'll actually be wrestling in Coolidge September 24th we're gonna be at the at the youth Center okay. the youth Center gym on on Saturday the 24th of September we're gonna have uh, some IZW wrestling going on so that'll be good so if you can make it after that that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, I'll come out for sure, man. I mean I gotta sign up right. for that boxing too <laughs> to get myself in shape. Heck yeah. So that I means they,
0: they have uh yeah, they have uh boxing fitness classes as well. Um, those are Monday through Thursday, I think, six o'clock.
1: So. Okay. I mean that sounds good. I'll probably you have to sign up, so but uh Mr Steve, yeah. can you uh, um tell everybody, tell everybody that where you're where they can find you at?
0: Yeah, so on, on social media, uh, it's mostly Instagram at navajowarrior Warrior Two K, the number two letter K, and then on Twitter it's at Wrestling Tribe. And I'm not I'm not on Twitter too much, but I try to I try to update it every now and then. But everything is on on Instagram. I always like to post, you know, pictures of what's going on, and uh, and then you can also find find a uh, wrestling at, at IZWWrestling. Wrestling. Uh, on instagram and i believe also on twitter so that's where you can find me if you want to find my my merchandise t-shirts things like that go to pro wrestling t backslash navajo warrior and you can get your cool navajo warrior swag there
1: oh yeah and you can find me at uh robin jackson on facebook and the class world podcast page on facebook as well and on instagram that is Nightwing Rob. That's N I J H T W I N G R O B B with the classical podcast page on there as well. And I have a Twitter as well, but I'm not really on there too. So I'm still trying to get used to it. But I am going to have a YouTube channel. So it's going to be on there too. So just letting you guys know that that is coming. So yeah. Much love to you guys. Much love to Steve. And uh, thank you, Steve, for being on. You know, come back again. You're always welcome. And uh, much love to you guys. And I'll see you guys next week.